Hello, and welcome to Radical Candor, a podcast from Panoply and Gretchen Rubin's Onward Project about how not to hate the boss you have or be the boss you hate. I'm Russ Laraway, co-founder of Candor, Inc. and career-long operational manager across the Marines, Google, and Twitter. And I'm Kim Scott, co-founder of Candor, Inc. also, and former executive at Google and Apple and CEO coach at Qualtrics, Dropbox, and a bunch of other great companies. I'm also the author of A Radical Candor. So welcome to another weekly episode of Radical Candor. Today we're talking about one of the most important things that needs to get done at work, decision making. Decisions are critical to getting things done, but a lot of us are still really bad at making them. Usually the biggest problem is not that you're making the wrong decisions. It's usually that you're not making any decision at all. Whether you're the employee or the boss, this is a huge problem. Being indecisive or too focused on getting everything perfect isn't helping anyone. So in today's episode, we'll talk about the danger of not making decisions, of course, with our own horror stories. (laughs) We'll also talk about why people often have so much trouble making decisions. And as always, we'll share our tips for decision making in the candor checklist. All right, here we go. So, Russ, what happens when people fail to make decisions? Maybe it's pretty clear that this might have bad consequences, but let's share a couple of stories from our own careers. Yeah, first, I I just want to say that it's especially bad when bosses refuse to delegate or make decisions, when they're kind of hanging on to decisions, and it really affects the whole team. I think in a way, it's very hard to appreciate or understand. And Kim, one thing about this story, I, I unfortunately feel like I need to leave it extremely vague. All of the details from the company, the people, the actual decision, the actual content of the decision, because, you know, I, I feel like I need to protect the innocent and even the guilty a little bit here. Exactly. OK, so I have a story um, from recently in my career where I had a boss who had a 100 incredible attributes. The only truly bad attribute was a guy just couldn't make a decision. And he couldn't let you make the decision either. The decision was his to make and he just couldn't or wouldn't make it. And really, I don't think the boss was aware fully of the amount of frustration that this was causing underneath the surface. And as a participant in this system and someone who was getting frustrated, and by the way, trying to give the boss the feedback that, look, the lack of decision here is extremely frustrating. Probably one of the reasons the boss really delayed making the decision is because it was a case where, you know, I guess there were some winners and some losers. There was some scope that would go in one direction or another. And I was certainly one of the people involved in which direction that scope yeah, might. Yeah, you were either going to win or lose. Yeah. And I, I don't mean, I don't really think of it that way. I'm just trying to simplify simplify the story here yeah. for our listeners. I, I don't like using winning and losing that way, but that's kind of what was going on yeah. and why I think he delayed. And it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't even care. Just it doesn't matter. I got to a point where I no longer was pushing for what I thought was right. I was now just pushing for something to be resolved. And so I I think a lot of times we're holding on to the decision. We're not making it. We think we can get just the right amount of data or just the right amount of perspective. And we don't often really appreciate all of the churn that we're causing underneath the surface with the people on our teams by not making a tough decision. And the irony here is a big part of the reason why your boss probably didn't want to make a decision was because he didn't want to make anybody unhappy. But he made everybody unhappy 
by not making a decision. That's exactly true. So what about you, Kim? You have any you have any stories about bad decision making? Yeah, this was uh, from a time when I had started this company, Juice, and we were trying to decide as a company, were we going to be a consumer company or are we going to be an enterprise company? Were we going to try to grow by hiring an enterprise sales force or were we going to build a product that would spread virally to consumers? And the product manager, who's Jared Smith, now the co-founder of Qualtrics, really felt strongly that we needed to be a consumer play. But I just couldn't let him decide, and I couldn't bring myself to decide. But by hedging between the two, by neither deciding that we were going to build a consumer product or an enterprise product, we tried to do a little bit of both. And because of the way the product got built, the decision got made for us, the wrong decision, unfortunately. And we wound up sort of becoming an enterprise company without actually meaning to become an enterprise company or, or deciding to. And I think it was part of the reason why why Juice Software failed was because I wouldn't hand this decision over to Jared, who who would have made the right call. That's a, that's a really good story. So look, I, I mean, I hope these stories help to make the point that not making decisions is one of the worst things you could do for your team, your company. It really can bring everything to a grinding halt. Getting the decision right is not always the best thing. In fact, I, I just like you can't see the future. And so it's actually really hard to get decisions right. I think sometimes just getting a decision done can really benefit. You know, I come from the Marines and we've we've talked about this before. The Marine Corps actively teaches decision making. And the basic idea is like 80/20. Try to make a decision with 80% of the information. In fact, probably off the record, the Marine Corps is much more comfortable with making decisions with even less information. And the reason is because that allows you once you make a decision, the system changes, that allows you to learn and then keep moving and enables you to make new decisions with more information. Google kind of had a similar philosophy, right? Yeah. I describe the culture at Google as a fast-moving, consensus-based organization, something I would have said was impossible before joining the company. But at Google, basically, what would happen is you could just make a decision on your own, and as long as you informed everybody what you were doing, you didn't have to go around getting a bunch of yeses. The onus was on the naysayers to stop you if they thought you shouldn't do it. And that helped people at Google avoid what Gretchen Rubin, the host of the Happier podcast, talks about as the idea of drift. All too often, people drift into a decision, sort of like I did at Juice, and they make the wrong one. They don't make a conscious decision. Now, there are also times, of course, like in the Marines, you made it with some of the information, not all the information. You don't, of course, just want to toss a coin. I think, though, the main message here is don't let perfect be the enemy of good. The thing about decisions is you just got to make them. There's also a question that Bob Rubin often used to ask when he was chairman of Goldman Sachs, Gretchen Rubin's father-in-law, in fact. He said, do I have to decide today? And if the answer's no, it's okay to defer the decision. But if you do have to decide today, have the courage to decide. Excellent. Okay. 
So if you have stories about having trouble making decisions, share them with us. As always, email us at podcast at radicalcandor.com or leave us a voice message at 2626candor. We may feature your story on a future episode of Radical Candor. Coming up, why decision making is so hard after a word from our sponsor. So we think there are basically two reasons people fall into indecisiveness and fail to make decisions. One, they don't get right who should make the decision. And two, they don't know what they need or how to make the decision. So let's talk first about who should make decisions. A lot of managers think that they should be making all the decisions. So they get bogged down and overloaded with the sheer volume of decisions to be made. And they end up not being able to make any of them. But as we talked about, Russ, in episode six, I remember that the boss is not always the decider. It's really key for managers to learn this and to learn how to delegate decisions to others. Spreading them out, pushing them into the facts will make it much less of a burden for any one decision. And it'll also help bosses avoid making what's called garbage can decision making, just grabbing the decision because they think that. It's a sign of importance to make all the decisions. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we have this principle, push the decisions into the facts. The person who should be making the decision is actually the one who's closest to the work, which is usually not the boss, right? It's got nothing to do with status or seniority or something. But we should be clear. Sometimes the boss, of course, is the decider. There's some big scope or maybe cross-functional decisions that the boss does need to make. If there's a case where the people on your team, say one person on your team has 50% of the facts and the other person on your team has 50% of the facts, something like that is a clear case where you're obviously the decider. You're the tiebreaker. You're the tie. You're the tiebreaker. And I, I obviously set that up, but this is the kind of thing you, you do need to be able to identify when your people are stuck because you need to be able to identify the times when you need to be the person to make the decision. But again, please be aware that if you are the boss, that you do not have to and should not make all of the decisions. And if you're not the boss, that's equally important to remember, too. You can make decisions yourself. But before we get to that in our canner checklist, let's talk a little bit more about how to make decisions. As we said, the person closest to the facts should make the decisions. This is because decisions should be made based off of facts, not just ego or importance or because I'm the decider. So one of the really interesting things that I learned when I was at Apple is the importance of getting facts instead of recommendations when you're the decider. It's tempting when you're the decider to kind of partially delegate the decision by asking a bunch of people to come in with a recommendation. But the problem with recommendations is that people tend to attach their egos to recommendations in a way they don't attach their egos to the facts. So if you ask everybody to bring in the facts, then it's easier to have a debate and to make a decision that's based on the facts, not on who thinks what and ego. Yeah. Once you start getting into recommendations, you start to get into this winning and losing yeah. idea. If I am in favor of recommendation A and the other person on the team is in favor of recommendation B, it starts to become hard for me to see the merits of B. Yeah. But I am really good at seeing the merits of A. It's really tricky and important to be aware of as a boss as people come to you giving recommendations that they actually have a very hard time 
being unbiased about the other about their own recommendation and the other recommendations that are being made. Exactly. But if you're in a situation like you described where Joe has 50 percent of the information and Jane has the other 50 percent, if they both bring the information, then all of a sudden they're going to have they're going to learn from each other. It'll be an interesting conversation, not a food fight. Yeah, exactly. This idea of data versus opinions. There's a pretty good quote from Jim Barksdale, the former Netscape CEO, where he said, if we have data, let's look at the data. But if all we have are opinions, let's go with mine. <laughs> I, I love the spirit of that quote. I actually don't think it's quite right. I think it's if we have the data, let's look at the data. If all we have are opinions, let's go with yours, you know, to really support this idea of push the decisions into the... By the way, that one's Russ Laraway, yes, uh, the, current the COO of... Much better adaptation. <laughs> Jim Barksdale, move over. <laughs> move over, Jim Barksdale. I'm stealing and changing your work. A good Memphian. But still, move over, Jim Barksdale. Here comes Russ Laraway. <laughs> if all we have are opinions, let's go with yours. And that's a nod to the idea of push the decisions to people that are closer to the work. We hired Elise to do marketing. And if Elise and I don't have data around which to make a decision, if all we have are opinions, I say, let's go with Elise's opinions instead of mine. Yeah, I say that too. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> let's go with Elise's. The other thing to think about when you're thinking about how to make a decision is, is to think about how do you know when you have enough facts, enough of the picture to decide. You just don't. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard to know. This is the tricky thing. And this by the way, is part of the reason why I think sometimes you as a decider, as the boss, may have to be the decider. Because if you don't have enough information, it's scary. And you got to take that scariness. That's part of your job is taking the scary decisions. Yeah. And look, you should, of course, be aware of your culture, right? Different cultures will have different tolerance levels for decisions made with a certain amount of information. And so I described the Marine Corps, which I would argue is probably one of the more risk-loving yeah. Uh, cultures with respect to decision-making, they just value make a darn decision because that creates, you know, in a battlefield scenario especially, that changes the system, that gives you new information, allows you to advance closer toward achieving your objective. That's a place where making super fast decisions is valued significantly above having perfect information. There are certainly going to be business cultures or team cultures where that will feel very fast and loose. And you should be aware of the different tolerance levels for the amount of information you need to have before you make a decision in your culture. And different kinds of situations. I mean, I can imagine if you're the commander of a ship, you better just decide to go right or left if somebody's coming at you with a torpedo. You better just decide. Okay, so now you know that the boss does not make all the decisions, right? You need to spread them around the people who are closest to the facts, the people who are closest to the work. And to make a decision, you need to look at all the facts and data as much as you possibly can. And now it's time for this week's Candor Checklist. Here are some actionable tips for you to help get decisions made. Tip number one, make a list of the most important decisions for your team each week. Stop whatever you're doing and do it right now. Set a time for the decision to be made. Helpful hint, the list shouldn't be more than three or four decisions. The other thing to do with your list is to decide who. Appoint who is going to be the decider for each of the decisions. So who and when for each of the decisions. And you can do this whether you're the boss or not. If you're not the boss, ask your boss if he or she agrees with the list you've put together. Maybe you're saving your boss some time. Yeah, and along those lines, uh, if you're a non-boss, that brings us to tip number two. 
if you're not a boss, ask your boss if you can take on decisions that are close to your work. A lot of times, bosses are not necessarily holding on to decisions for entirely conscious reasons. They might feel responsible. They might feel like they're doing a service to the team by holding on to a decision. They may just not even realize that a decision needs to get made, etc. And so when you identify a decision that needs to get made and you think you're in a position to be able to make it, go ahead and surface that to your boss. I think a lot of times they'll be happy to see that you're taking on some initiative, happy to see that you're taking on that responsibility. And they might even see it as a gift in that you're lightening their load a little bit. This is such good advice. Early in my career, Ted Sorensen, the guy who wrote Kennedy's speeches, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, wound up working with me. And he, I had a boss. Where? He was a lawyer uh, for Lazara Kaplan, and which was the diamond company I was working for. And my boss there was very indecisive. And he gave me this advice. He just said, you have a lot of great ideas, Kim. Just start executing on them. Tell your boss you've decided this. And he'll tell you if he doesn't want you to. It made my life much better. So take Russ's advice. Take Ted Sorensen's advice. Just decide and tell your boss what you've decided. Tip number three, hold weekly big decision meetings. The reason to hold a weekly big decision meeting is because it's a pain in the neck to schedule big decision meetings. So if you just have a block of time every week that's blocked out on people's calendars, then the deciders for each of the decisions you've listed in tip number one come to the meeting. They bring the people who need to give input to the decision to that meeting. They make a decision and they tell everybody what the decision was. Works really efficiently. Yeah, so it's it's acknowledgement that there's a bunch of decisions that need to get made. We put some time on the calendar. We get the right people into the room. We make the decisions. We move on. We do that every single week. It becomes a matter of course for the team. Good stuff, Kim. So to summarize, tip number one, make a list of the most important decisions for your team each week. Tip number two, for non-bosses, go ahead and ask. Ask your boss if you can take on some decisions that are close to your work. And for tip number three, hold a weekly big decision meeting. So if you want to learn more about making decisions, check out chapters four and eight of Kim's book, Radical Candor. And of course, visit RadicalCandor.com slash podcast for this episode's show notes. And that's it for this week's episode of Radical Candor. Our producers are Kristen Meinzer and Jennifer Lai. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply and to Elise Lockhart at Candor, Inc. Our theme song is written and performed by Cliff Goldmacher. Please let us know what you think of the show and share your stories and questions with us. You'll find us on Twitter at Candor. Our email address is podcast at RadicalCandor.com. And our website is RadicalCandor.com. The Candor Coach iOS app is a great companion to this podcast. It'll help you put the ideas into practice. Download it now in the App Store. You can also pick up the Radical Candor book, of course, on Amazon as an ebook at your local bookstore or wherever you buy books. If you like the show, please help us spread the word and make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, your favorite podcast app so that you automatically get each new episode. Radical Candor is part of the Onward Project, which also includes Side Hustle School and Happier with Gretchen Rubin. In a recent episode of Side Hustle School, we hear the story of a Texas woman who works as an advocate for sustainable honeybee habitats and makes 4000 bucks a month doing it. Yep, being a beekeeper... That's a side hustle. An awesome hustle. That's a pretty good hustle. 
in a recent episode of Happier, and Kim, I think you're familiar with this one. I love this episode. <laughs> Gretchen and Liz talk about decision fatigue and how picking a uniform can make your life simpler and easier. I guess uniform like your nearly patented orange sweater that you wear every <laughs> Silicon Valley chic every day. Same orange sweater, same Levi's. I'm Kim Scott. And I'm Russ Laraway. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.